guys, welcome back to the Establish the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, with me as always, my co-host, Dylan Reagan. We're back here to discuss the action from Week 18, and uh, more specifically, uh, the most noteworthy action from Week 18, and uh, we probably won't go too much into the games that really didn't have any sort of uh, meaning whatsoever in terms of playoff implications, but we will talk about some initial thoughts on the on the bracket and everything, uh, the playoffs, which uh, that will be our next episode. Is we'll preview the the super wild card weekend. It is Dylan, remember <laughs> super wild card weekend. Um, we'll preview that on the next episode. But I mean, we've got coaching firings to talk about too, which uh, we'll, we'll discuss a little bit of those. But Dylan, I'm going to say this up front. I think in the history of this podcast, we're over 200 episodes, and when we've picked our game of the week. I think this is the undisputed best pick we've ever had in the history of this podcast when it comes to picking our game of the week because uh, you got pretty much everything you wanted and then some uh, when it came to our pick for one of our games of the week, uh, and that was the Chargers and the Raiders, uh, which what a way to end the regular season in the NFL. The Raiders win 35-32 in overtime, seconds away from a tie um i mean i just don't like this was the most i can't recall the game and when i was trying to think of it off the top of my head i know some people were pointing to like you know browns ravens last year is pretty wild that chiefs rams game from a few years ago where the yeah. offense was was very entertaining but i i don't i like i i'm telling you man i cannot recall a game like this in terms of just the the scenario the situation yeah. everything i can't it's been a long time since i've seen a game like that uh, and again, just, I mean, honestly, like where do we even start with the, the storylines coming out of this? Because there's just so many things you could point to. Yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of what was on the line, like those games you mentioned that have been crazy that we've picked and they've been great games of the week and fantastic, just, uh, overall memorable ones. They just didn't have what was on the line here for not just these two teams, obviously still the Steelers and we were, we were not even that far away from getting to that weird point where the Colts still could have got in. If the Ravens had pulled out their game, they would have been relying on, the uh, I think, the outcome of that Dolphins-Patriots game. It was all sorts of nutty stuff. But, yeah, once we finally got there, it didn't look like it was going to be a tie for a while. But you, know, you saw kind of people seeing when it was a 12-point game on Twitter saying, oh, now they're, the Steelers are in good shape. And, like I mentioned, when we were watching it, and I was like, you know, field goal, and then it's 15. And then at that point, it's exactly what happened. Uh, <laughs> the two-point conversions, the touchdown. But, obviously... I mean, the number of fourth downs the Chargers had to convert was ridiculous. Only one penalty aided. Otherwise, just all Justin Herbert, all of the playmakers. The the last throw uh, that he had on the – I think it was the last fourth down that they actually went for was deep in their own territory in overtime. The last throw to Mike Williams up the seam with, like, defenders everywhere was one of the – just arguably one of – given the pressure point of that spot, one of the best throws of the season, I'd think, by any quarterback. It was just ridiculous, and they just couldn't quite – uh finish it out obviously I'm, I'm waiting to see the uh, i haven't watched as many game pass games this year on the all 22 but there was a few plays on some of these drives that i want to take a look at in particular the chargers last uh, offensive play before they kicked the timed field goal where he threw the ball deep down the sideline i forget which receiver he went to but someone else at least from the tv angle looked like they're running wide open in the middle of the field could have possibly run in for a winning touchdown. Just little things like that, that you're going to obviously take because it's it's impossible to make every perfect pass. And Justin basically made every one. But I, at the end of the day, I think the Raiders were the better team in this game. They dominated up front. Their defensive line, as, they, as Al and Chris Collinsworth pointed out, was dominant for large portions. Uh, there were some questionable, you know, for all the decisions that 
Brandon Staley should receive credit for. I know he's getting uh, bashed a bit uh, today for that one fourth and one uh, play call in their own territory. I think the, the conversation should probably be about the play call itself rather than the uh, decision necessarily. Uh, it gets kind of lost in there. We, we tend to move on when teams go uh, forward deep in their own territory and get it, but when they don't, uh, a lot more attention boils down to. But you see why he trusts his players and his offense and yeah, it was just, uh, I mean, just ridiculous. Like, looking back at it, it felt like it was, like, three different games. The first half was relatively normal, even though it was still high scoring. And then, I mean, it was, like, the whole second half for large portions. The Raiders were in pretty good shape. And then it was a whole other game watching that last, like, just play after play, all the conversions with the Chargers. And, man, it was it was so much fun, so much on the line. And it was really funny at the end with poor Steeler fans feeling like uh, they were going to just run out the clock. But... At the end of the day, I, there's stuff made about the timeout, and I know Derek Carr said that changed their thinking. I don't really know, looking back, how it changed anything. There, there's all, the clock had already run down the four seconds in the play clock, so it's essentially the same as snapping the ball right there. If they get a first down running, uh, it's going to be the exact same situation. So I, if, if anything, um, I mean, it would have made sense, honestly, for the Chargers at that point to say if they did stop the Raiders, they could have called a timeout. Then the Raiders have a really hard decision to make. Do you want to kick a 55-yarder miss and give the Chargers time uh, to possibly go down and win it? Of course, they get the first down, and that's the story of the Chargers' season. They had so much, so many exciting things going on, but their run defense really just let them down when it mattered most. I like Again, I don't even know like where you start with this whole <laughs> scenario here because – I, I am one that's I, I do think you know of the timeout. There's a lot being made of this timeout, but I don't know if it's specifically the timeout or if it was just watching the game. I never got the sense that the Raiders were going to do anything other than just run the clock out. Now mm-hmm. maybe that was just me, and I'm probably not alone on that. I know other people think the same way, but like it was one of those things when you just sort of watched, and I just got that sense. Now again, we're watching from you know, home and we're watching this through the TV and there's no reason, you know, we don't have any sort of insight or anything, but mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I just, I thought that they, that's exactly what they were doing. And maybe that was the wrong thinking, but I'm sure, you know, the fact is they, you know, if the chargers, like you said, if they get a stop, it's a completely different scenario because then you're having a much different conversation about, okay, well, what do you do if you're the Raiders? But the fact that they didn't, then it's like, well, now you're what however many yards closer and yeah. uh, i i just think that it's one of those where it's like obviously that's one that um, i'm probably gonna go back I, I started going back and watching again this morning and i you know it's just like one of those where you're like mm-hmm. how did this play out and i don't know i, I know what Derek Hart said all the, but i i did like i got the sense that the raiders were going to run the ball out and that was going to be it but uh it's man what a what an interesting i, I just again i can't even imagine sort of the thinking there in terms of a game ending like that. And it's like, even on both sides, like, yeah. what do you even think about that? So. I mean, the Raiders, at the end of the day, they have some incentive to win. You don't want to play the Chiefs uh, as much as I think the Bengals will be a tough. That is the best point, yes, um, exactly. And I, it's, the thing is, like, if they say, say they don't get a first down there and the Chargers don't call timeout, they, they let the clock go down to two seconds. Now you have no reason not to attempt that 56-yard field goal because if you miss, it's still a tie. You're still in the playoffs. So I, yeah. I think the Chargers would have, 
had to have called timeout if the Raiders got stuffed there. Uh, just the force a punt, the knee, and then the, maybe the Chargers just you know knee it twice at that point because uh, they're too far in. Don't want to turn it over and let the game flip the other way. So it kind of yeah, it really it was just a third and four play. You know they're going to run like, and they just couldn't stop it. Three straight plays uh, where they knew they're going to be running the football, and they get on the on the last two. I think eighteen total yards. So it's just. Uh, Again, that's the story of their of this kind of season for the Chargers. Just a little bit of not enough on on that defensive side because, yeah, I mean that's the one thing for NFL fans in general that I'm sad about is not seeing uh, Herbert in the playoffs. Potential the idea of him and Josh Allen facing each other that would have been the matchup if the Chargers had tied or won. Um, I mean that would have been so much fun. Still going to be a lot of fun with all these games that we're going to talk about, uh, especially on our next episode. But. Um, I would have loved to see both these teams, and I think they both kind of deserve to be in there. Yeah. I know the Steelers uh, would have a you know have an argument for that as well, and they did make the playoffs. But um, yeah, that's gonna we saw what the Chiefs and Steelers just happened a few weeks ago. I'm not positive <laughs> it's gonna uh, turn out much better for Pittsburgh. We'll see. Yeah, I think that's where you had everyone rooting for the tie because, of course, the whole joke going in was that they could intentionally do it, and that was never going to happen. Yeah. But it's like you know intentionally you don't actually try to tie and well you almost tie and um yeah it's just one of the it is like the whole yeah. thing just so bizarre and how it played out and and like you mentioned i think the thinking is as you if you're watching that game you're like man i would love to see both of these teams in the playoffs um because mm-hmm. you know nothing gets the steelers but like you mentioned we we've seen steelers and chiefs not too long ago and um that's one where i don't even know if the score was as close as the game you know yeah. i think it was a much wider gap than maybe uh, it was, but you never know, and we'll talk about that game, uh, and we'll talk a little bit more about the Raiders uh, when we do our our previews uh, in the next episode. But yeah, just what an unbelievable uh, game that was, and you know, to be honest, our other game of the week was pretty good too. And uh, unfortunately, like you said, probably not a lot of people outside of the fans of the Rams and 49ers and probably the Saints um, are going to think a whole lot of it just based on that Chargers Raiders game. But uh, Rams 49ers is pretty good too, and uh, that one went to overtime. With the Niners uh, getting the 27-24 win, this felt like a game that, I mean, we've seen this before with these two teams, but, man, this felt like a game the Rams were just in control of. They get up 17-0, you're thinking, man, this is this is it. Um, but here come the 49ers, and they come uh, riding their, their way back into it, and uh, what do you know? They get the win here, and uh, they are in the playoffs. Yeah, it was the same formula after, you know, it felt like the Rams were in the perfect position because they, uh, playing from ahead like that, you knew the Niners weren't going to be able to play, have the exact game plan that they wanted to have um, going into it, obviously. Uh, you, you know, they wanted to be able to run the ball, wanted to control the tempo. Instead, the Rams kind of turned and gave the Niners a piece of their own medicine for large portions of that game. Uh, you know, the Niners had to kind of uh, figure it out, but they had so much time left, and that was the big thing that, um, yeah, for the San Francisco to be able to score before the half in particular allowed them to go into that second half not feeling like all right we're down three scores we really need to kind of hurry this up a bit uh, they were able to take their time run the ball basically the entire drive uh, that, you know that wasn't the one with Debo throwing the touchdown but it's still a, a just an absolute clinic up front I mean the Rams knew a large amount of the time what the Niners were going to do they had a lot of great counter plays going off of the main uh, bread and butter run stuff. And, man, it it was it's frustrating, I would say, if you're looking from the Rams' point of view because it's just the same kind of story these two teams have had. And uh, by the end of it, I think San Francisco definitely deserved to win. I know the Rams, everyone was talking about how they were dominating, but you know, they weren't – you know, they did benefit from a couple big plays here and there, some really tough – 
third down conversions on that first drive when they got the field goal. Um, and the total yards gap by the end of it, I mean, San Francisco almost doubled up the Rams. Like They, they basically had 200 more yards uh, by the end of the game. They were able to do, pretty much do whatever they wanted, got into third and manageable pretty much outside of, you know, early in the first half. That first drive, uh, first couple of drives, they never really got behind the chains at all. And uh, that was a big story for it. But the Rams did, you know, when it looked darkest, when they had given up 17 straight points and the Niners are driving again, you see why they still have a chance to be a factor in the playoffs with all the stars kind of all at once, like made big plays. Ramsey makes that ridiculous interception. The next drive, it's all Stafford and, and Cup, uh, Cup even blocking on one of the, the only decent runs the Rams had the entire game before, right before his uh, – his touchdown to give him back the lead. Then you have Von Miller with the sack. It was like just a flurry of stuff that looked like, oh, they're going to save the day. And then, man, it's it comes down to, and this one too for the Rams, I'm sure Sean is really frustrated with a couple of things. Probably lack of aggression when they got the ball back at the end of the game, not trying to get a first down. Really thought on third down they'd try to pass. It was about third and six and a half or so. And, you know, you give the Niners one timeout. It wasn't going to be, you know, obviously it's hindsight, but even at the time it's like just you have a chance six and a half yards, go win the game. Um, you haven't been able to run all day. You're probably not going to run for six and a half yards. Would have liked to see him be a little more aggressive there. And then also the end of the half. I know that a lot was made about the play call going empty on the third and, and like a half yard. I even thought the second down play call uh, was a little bit uh, concerning in terms of, just just kind of running for the sake of running to run the clock down when they could have been an aggressor and kept the gas pedal uh odell had a basically 12 yards the the db was essentially out of the picture on the bottom of the screen on second and three they were going to give him a a five yard out if they really wanted to run something there just to get the first down it's just little things like that where they could have not instead of just being like let's get to halftime up 17 they could have pumped and tried to get another field goal go up 20 um, instead, you end up having the punt go up that last second drive with a lot of soft coverage, the same soft coverage we saw in the tying drive for the Niners. And that, uh, I mean, it happened so fast. It was basically just two broken broken plays, broken coverages by the Rams, the, the Ayuk one, and then later with Debo that allowed them to get all the way down the field. And, yeah, it's just uh, what a crazy game. And despite all that, the Rams had the ball in overtime with a chance to win. Um, and then we saw kind of the same so every game with the, lately with the Rams. There's like two, three Stafford plays where it's just – makes you shake your head uh, i wouldn't say there was as many in this game he had a really good first half and got in, put in some tough spots because their offensive line was getting beat up by san francisco but uh he had some opportunities there and, and overtime again and just didn't need to force it there i know people said you know he underthrew when he talked about that after the game and he, maybe there would have been a contested play if he if he lays it out further but it just it didn't seem like they had to do it at that point there's a lot of time left and they win the division, but um, bittersweet. I don't think the Rams were celebrating a whole lot. Now they go from the two seed all the way down to the four. Um, get a, get the they would have played the Saints at home, and now instead uh, you get the Cardinals. It should be a tough game, but uh, the San Francisco 49ers definitely, I think, uh, from a macro perspective for the NFC, they're they're deserving of a playoff spot. They're definitely right there with some of these, uh, you know, maybe the top four teams in the division, all the division winners. Uh, in the conference uh, are on their own tier. But I think Arizona and and San Francisco can definitely be a factor in this playoff, especially San Francisco. They have a formula, and uh, if they don't fall behind, I mean, they're going to have a lot of teams that are going to struggle to block their front right now. That defensive front for the Niners is ridiculous. Yeah, the NFC matchups are very interesting. Um, We'll talk about those in the next episode, but I think you could – I think two of those three, um, you know, it's it's going to be interesting from uh, people looking at the underdogs, perhaps, in, in those games. We'll see. But uh, very fascinating matchups 
in those. All right, we're going to quickly run through some of these other games because, like we said, um, you know, we, we know the playoff situation now, and um, we'll just kind of touch on a few things. Uh, just our betting locks, Dylan, well, um, <laughs> we did not do so well uh, on these. And uh, hold on, before we get to that, I want to mention here quickly, Cooper Cup, we got to give this guy some, some props. So he finishes uh, second uh, in all-time uh, single-season receiving yards, 1,947. That was, what, 17, I think, by Calvin Johnson? Yep. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's something when you consider top five, Calvin Johnson, Cooper Cup, two, Julio Jones, three, Jerry Rice, four, and Antonio Brown, five. So, um, yeah, quite a quite a season for Cooper Cup. We'll talk more about him, uh, I guess, as we move forward as well. Yeah. But, um, His, uh, yeah. He got the also the first receiver, I think, since Steve Smith in 2005 to complete the triple crown for yep. most receptions, touchdown catches, and yards. So, I mean, th- mm. th- whatever, whatever you want to say about the, the extra game for him on the all-time receiving list, that's, that is uh, fair in terms of the, the best seasons ever. But in terms of leading the, the league in every category, it's just as impressive as <laughs> anything else. And, yeah, crazy that it's been 16 years since someone's done that. Yeah, and as we know, the common denominator between Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup is, of course, Matthew <laughs> Stafford. So that yes. is uh, another wild uh, stat there. All right, our betting locks, as we said, did not do very well. Uh, I picked the Chiefs, who were 10-point favorites against the Broncos. The Chiefs did win, but uh, it was a little bit more of a, a struggle maybe than expected. They win 28-24. Uh, they will be, as we mentioned, the number two seed in the playoffs. Uh, but I think most of our discussion in this uh, particular category is going to come with the Colts, who were 15-and-a-half-point favorites on the road against the Jaguars. And, uh, my goodness, the Colts um, just did not show up. Uh, the Jags went 26-11. to Colts out of the playoffs. Um, what a disappointment this is for the Colts. I mean, this was one, I'm telling you, from the very start in this game, like, you just sensed it, yep. that this was not, this was going to be one of those games for the Colts. Like, it, you could tell very early and they never just got like they never got there ever like i know it was 26 to 11 but quite frankly i don't know if the game felt that close um it was just what a yeah it, it's just not good for the colts because again we talked about how much better this team had played down the stretch and late in the season and you're thinking all right um you know they're gonna they're gonna be just fine and with jonathan taylor and that defense maybe they got a chance to to do something in the playoffs well they're not even in yeah the the, the rich eisen uh, quote he uh, tweeted after the or during the game that he basically said in the span of two weeks the Colts went from the team nobody wanted to see in the playoffs to a team nobody is seeing in the playoffs yep, <laughs> it summed it up go. pretty well for what you're saying there in terms of they're on a roll they uh that offensive line was starting to pick it up but you know they weren't as good as they've been in previous seasons I know they've had injuries and it really showed up in this game I mean they could not get a push on Jacksonville which is not something many teams have been able to say all season um you know still ran for five yards per carry but didn't feel like that watching a lot of the game and then every time that they had a crucial play where they, they needed just a yard or two they weren't getting it on the flip side Jacksonville I mean we have not seen them play with this kind of juice all year but I mean Trevor Lawrence had probably his best game as a pro I'd, I'd say um given there's not a lot of wins obviously this year but I mean, there were some great great throws that he had um some, some plays on the run some kind of ad-libbing things where it's like ah you, you see you see what can possibly be here if it, with everything coming together so uh, interesting to see how Jacksonville retools that roster this offseason but the focus right now as it should be is on the disappointment in Indianapolis I yeah definitely Carson Wentz came back to, to bite them in this one one of just a really tough game looking back and some of the picks were uh, you know the two picks were awful but there were some other missed passes and just things that it, it was it was tough to watch uh, when Indy had the ball and 
did not expect that against Jacksonville. I yeah, it, you know, for I, I'll have to go through my betting locks. I think I had a, you know, a barely above 500 record, but lately over the last like four weeks, outside of a couple games where I've hit, I've been like the kiss of death for some of these teams. They end up not just not covering; they end up completely outright losing. So. Apologies to Colts fans um, for picking you guys to be the lock here because, yeah, it just did not uh, did not work out whatsoever. And that set off the whole chain of events for what we talked <laughs> about with the Chargers and Raiders. If the Colts win this game, I do wonder if the uh, some of the decision-making is much different. I mean, maybe the Chargers go for it on fourth down uh, in overtime up when they're down three to try to score a touchdown sale to win the game. And maybe they do win. Maybe they lose there. But uh, it wouldn't have been the same thing where they could have both tied if, if the, ja- the Jaguars don't end up upsetting Indy. It just really changed so much for how, how this crazy Sunday went. Yeah. Um, anyone who enjoyed the, the the main event, you can thank the Colts because – that did. It set everything in motion, and uh, yeah, what a what a wild, wild finish of the season for the Colts, and uh, we'll see what's next for them and the Jags, of course, uh, in the off season. All right, our upsets. Well, um, these were also two that we we actually did okay on. Um, we we did pretty well with these, and so uh, the Packers and the Lions. Uh, I took the gamble on that one, and what do you know? The Lions win, but as we talked about, not really much uh, to say for that for the <laughs> Packers. We, I mean, let's be honest, they didn't really have anything to play for. Uh, Lions went 37-30 in that one. They finished 3-13-1. And, uh, and then the Seahawks and the Cardinals, that was the other one. You you said it. I mean, you thought this would kind of be the way maybe that you not really know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll going into next season, but uh, the Seahawks go out with a bang here, 38-30. They beat the Cardinals. We know uh, now for the Cardinals they will – uh, visit LA to play the Rams uh, in the wild card round, but a uh, nice little win for the Seahawks here. Rashad Penny was, uh, well, he was something in this one, uh, but uh, this was, <laughs> it's funny, we've laughed about this before, but this was once again like your Tyler Lockett stat line. Yep. Five receptions, 98 yards, two touchdowns. Like it's just, this guy is just like the most efficient guy ever in terms of, um, you know, he'll get five receptions, but two of them will be touchdowns. And uh, I mean, you know, a nice performance from the Seahawks here. Uh, Cardinals, you know, that was one of those teams that we, we knew at one point, you know, felt like the best team in the NFL, but uh, just have kind of been a little up and down since then. And we know they've had an injury situation and all that, but, um, you know, they lose the finale here and now hit the road uh, to play the Rams. Yeah, maybe this is good for the Cardinals. They've, as a lot of uh, pundits have talked about, they play quite better on the road this season. So maybe this will be a, a decent thing for them. They would have, if they had won, they would have been the three seed facing San Francisco at home. I don't know if that would have been, if you take that over visiting LA. It's, uh, I mean, both matchups are going to be tough. So I'm not sure how much the Cardinals really would have gained from winning this. Obviously, some, you know, after all those losses, I, they had that big week 17 win over Dallas. You thought going to carry some momentum. Now they fall here. We'll see how they bounce back. Still a team that has its flaws. Um, the defense that, you know, still ranked in the top five or six in DVOA for the whole year has had these moments against some of these explosive pass offenses that are able to take advantage of their aggressive scheme and you know, hit them over the top for really big plays. They've given up a ton of explosive plays, it really feels like, over the stretch uh, where they've started to lose more games. And we'll see how that affects them going into the playoffs, like you said, for the Seahawks. Yeah, in- interesting to see what kind of change is going to uh, happen there. DK Metcalf talked about it a bit today, and but he didn't go into specifics. And it's the same thing I kind of think about. It. It's like, yeah, there's going to probably be some changes, but what what are they? <laughs> like, it could be in so many different places. Where they, they could make an argument they should run back certain things. And you do see what the offense can look like when it's operating at, at full swing. When they're you know you're not going to run for 200 yards in a lot of games, but uh, it's pretty explosive stuff. And then yeah, the only thing for the Lions game, maybe they played themselves out of 
the number one or they did play themselves as the number one pick but maybe we'll see if Aiden Hutchinson is still there at number two um yeah, obviously going to Michigan would have been cool to see him uh, suit up for the line still could happen but uh still I think they were focused on even with no matter who was in the game for the Packers they were still playing hard had the trick plays up their sleeve and uh do still think I know Anthony Lynn won't be their offense coordinator anymore it sounded pretty amicable with how with him uh not coming back for the upcoming season it'll be interesting to see who they get in there but I think they kind of have a foundation that will be fun to watch um and obviously if if Aaron Rodgers stays that's one thing but if he somehow does decide to leave then that division next year man that's going to talk about two new coaches coming in uh in Chicago and Minnesota um and then Green Bay if they they were to lose Aaron oh my that division is I don't know. It's wide open. I don't, I'm not saying the Lions are going to win it, but I do like the foundation that as Detroit started to, to build toward and think they have found some pieces that will be there down the line when they're hopefully uh, getting back to being a, you know, not, I say back, unfortunately for the Lions. There hasn't been a lot of winning, but getting to a, a winning culture, I think they're on the on the path at the very least. Um, hopefully they don't get cut off quickly like what happened in Miami today. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and speaking of that, we'll just we'll quickly go through the scores from the rest of these games, and Dylan, you can tell me what you know maybe what's worth noting. And there's a couple of things we'll touch on, but we will finish off uh, talking about some of these uh, firings. And of course, we'll get more into it as the yeah. coaching searches go along. But uh, of course, the Cowboys uh, they get a dominant win over the Eagles. Uh, it was a 51-26 mm-hmm. in that one. Bengals and Browns. Uh, it was the Browns getting a 21-16 win. As we said, not really much for the Bengals to play for. Uh, and that one, they are now set uh, for that game with the Raiders, uh, Bears, and Vikings. We can stop here for a second because um, these both teams have just cleaned house uh, with uh, GM and head coach gone from both uh, for both the Bears and the Vikings. Uh, Vikings won this game 31-17, but I guess that is certainly uh, an interesting I, – I don't think very unexpected. Uh, we sort of expected that with the Bears. Vikings is maybe a little more unknown, but I think you just got the sense that – they were going to go in a different direction here. But like you just mentioned, I mean, this you talk about this division, what it could look like next season. Uh, all that intrigue is probably going to start with Aaron Rodgers, but then it goes directly to uh, what's next for both the Vikings and the Bears. Yeah, it's uh, two jobs that I think have uh, you know intriguing parts about them. I'm not sure. We'll see what happens with the Raiders after making the playoffs. I think that you can make, even with the, the really tough quarterbacks in that division in Mahomes and Herbert, I think you can make an argument that would be the best coaching job with how they've really retooled that defense and what the offense has still been able to look like but otherwise still intriguing in minnesota and, and chicago they have pieces um i'm not sure <laughs> how far these teams with their current rosters obviously could go they, they're both pretty average teams but you have justin fields to build around if you really believe in Kirk cousins if you don't in minnesota they still have other pieces that could be there for the next quarterback a, a place with an infrastructure that i could see still uh, not being a, a long time until the vikings are back to being a playoff team so um, interesting in terms of, uh, yeah, like you said, not as much of an assumption as we, we kind of knew was going to happen in Chicago. If it, the only thing in Chicago was if Pace was going to be fired with Nagy, and he was. Um, Rick Spielman and Zimmer have been kind of you know connected at the at the hip since they came in there in Minnesota, and or since at least they've both been there together. So not surprised that once one of them got fired, they, they both did. You know, you definitely heard about how Rick Spielman did address the team, but Darren Wolfson reported that Mike Zimmer didn't even talk to the to the players after getting fired, which is interesting. Um, I know he's had some interesting press conferences and different things he said about the uh, some of the players and some of the play the last two seasons. So uh, it started. It definitely was time, I think. But yeah, definitely a division that is in flux. And really, though, yeah, two two uh, coaching jobs that 
I think have some value and, you know, aren't just, it's not like some of the, the years where it's no offense to the Jets, but some years it's like, well, it's the Jets job. Good luck to whoever gets that. Like these are both teams that have some, some pieces in play um, have made, you know, for all the things that were said about Ryan Pace as draft as some of the drafting that the bears have had, they still got Justin Fields. We'll see how that all pans out. He was criticized for signing Robert Quinn. He just set the bear sack record right in, I think in the 16th game. So they got some interesting things going and a, a team that uh, even down to the finish, even in this for, uh, despite this loss still felt like, as I've talked about the last few weeks that Chicago was playing with a sense of urgency and, and playing really hard with nothing to play for another team, quickly of, of the other games we might talk about the texans are another team that i felt like down the stretch played really hard um and will, really will be interesting to see what happens there it sounds like david coley will be staying but obviously gave the titans a run for their money for the to possibly uh fail out of the one seed now i think uh you know not a sigh of relief for pittsburgh but for tennessee to, to be able to skip the first uh, super wildcard weekend i mean that's it's so huge in afc that's pretty wide open well, let's talk about some of these uh, others here quickly. Uh, Washington and the Giants, that was the game, as we said, meant nothing, 22-7. to 7. Uh, Washington wins. Uh, the most noteworthy thing, that I assume, is that uh, uh, Giants will be looking for a new uh, GM, but yep. may not be head coach-wise. Seems like Joe Judge probably going to be back. So um, that is at least uh, noteworthy. As of now, uh, Steelers and Ravens probably would have been a lot more interesting had it been the Steelers' uh, last game, but we'll certainly talk about uh, them now as we head into that playoff matchup with the Chiefs. Steelers win that one in overtime, 16-13. I mean, for the Ravens, Dylan, it's pretty simple. I mean, what do you say? Well, injury-wise, uh, yeah. with Lamar and all that, it just kind of, you know, there was only so much I think they could do, and uh, we'll talk more about them going into the, the offseason. Titans clinch the number one seed uh, with the win over the Texans, and boy, they make it interesting. Uh, 28-25. I will say this, a quick pit stop here. You know, this is a game I, I, I watched pretty much all of this game, and, you know, the Titans... They did make it interesting, but I will say this, and I think others have said it throughout the year, but um, I don't think it was just this one game, but like I think Davis Mills is good. Like I think he is he's he's playing on a bad team, but like yeah. I think he's pretty good. Um, and I know we'll, we'll talk more about Deshaun Watson in a second when we get to the Dolphins, but I, w- I did want to point that out. I, I don't, you know, is he ever going to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback? I don't know, but I think they're okay if they can just <laughs> – do some stuff around him. Um, yeah. I think that, you know, the more I've watched him, especially down the stretch here this season, I think he's actually pretty good. So um, I think there's a lot of potential there, at least for him. Yeah, there's Hall of Famers that don't win Super Bowls, so I'm not too concerned about there you go. that yeah. happening. There's also Trent Dilfers that win Super Bowls, so no offense to Trent Dilfer. But, uh, yeah, in terms of Davis Mills, he's definitely been a guy that's improved over the course of the year. I think better than anyone really would have thought uh, going into the season, um, with especially like you said, not a ton to work with. Some interesting receivers, but I mean, this is a team that still, at the end of the day, did not rank highly on offense. The only uh, redeeming part about them, uh, from a statistical basis, was some of the things they did on defense by the end of the season. And yeah, he's still, uh, you know, the Charger game in particular. I thought he looked fantastic. Like not just like guys weren't just like wide open. Like he was making great plays <laughs> and great throws into tight windows that you just did not expect to see. Um, I know they had some struggles, obviously, early in the year, and uh, when he first started getting in there um, after like the really outside injury. of that Bills game, right? Like I feel like outside of that Bills game where they just, you know, they was it lost forty something to nothing, I think, yep. early in the mm-hmm. season. Like other than that, I just feel like he hasn't really played bad at all. And I mean, again, you know, I'm not saying he's played great, but there have just been some of those usual road games I think you could have. But um, yeah, I just I did want to point that out because I just think that you know it's at least a 
something you have to, to work with, I guess, if you're the Texans. So I, th- I think the most, uh, just like real quickly at his game blog, I did not realize he almost had a perfect passer rating against the Patriots. <laughs> the Patriots won yeah. 25 to 22, but he threw for uh, 21 to 29, 312 yards, three touchdowns. Took a few sacks, but yeah, I mean, that, if you could do that against the Pats and where that defense was starting to become at that point of the season, I know there's a plenty of other blowouts. They, you know, they had a couple of weeks where they only scored eight total points against the Colts and Cardinals, um, and not a good show against the Rams. But overall, yeah, I think someone that does make them a little more comfortable with where they're at. They still probably have to rebuild a little longer. You don't need to win too many games, but to have a guy yeah. that can be in there uh, on a really cheap quarterback contract and allow you to build up the rest of your roster and potentially be the guy, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge win considering where we thought going into the year they were with Deshaun wanting the trade and then all the off-field things that have dealt there. And like you mentioned with Miami, now I don't even know if he's going to want to go there with Brian Flores gone. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll get to that shortly. Saints win 30-20. to 20. They did their job, but the Niners, of course, won. So yeah. uh, Saints finish 9-8, and eight, uh, but they will not be going to the playoffs. Uh, Jets and Bills, that was one that uh, got interesting for a second there, but uh, Bills win 27-10, to 10, and, of course, uh, we know what's next for them. Uh, and the ultimate rematch, uh, Bills yes. and Patriots, uh, that is one that will certainly be uh among if not the most uh well i don't i say that i think the nfc ones to me are the most intriguing but that one's going to be fascinating from a standpoint of those two uh playing once again here with a a playoff you know advancement on the line here and speaking of that uh the patriots and the dolphins uh it was the dolphins winning 33 to 24 and what do you know the dolphins who just were terrible at one point they finished with a winning record at nine and eight and what do they do? Um, hours later, they fire their head coach. Um, Del, I know I jumped on that we adopted the Dolphins not long ago here yep. on the podcast, but I would like to say that I am turning in the papers of the adoption for the Dolphins uh, based on this move here because I think this was just absolutely ridiculous. Um, I know they started off bad, but and, and you know you can read a lot of stuff out there. This does seem like a you know this is Game of Thrones here. Like this is what this turned into. It seemed like. Uh, with with Flores and you know GM stuff and everything kind of the politics involved well I'm sure we'll get the full story yeah. eventually but <laughs> to me this is just I don't know what you're doing if you're the Dolphins and again I know there have been people that have pointed out well you know look at Brian Flores's record it's what 23 and 25 I think um, but I don't know man you and I talked about it even going back to, to last year or whatever like we said you can tell like this guy's pretty good and you know i know their start was not what they wanted but we talked about it like as well injuries played into that there's other things and like this isn't the best roster out no. there i want to point i don't know again i've seen some people say that like the dolphins should have been 12 or something no, no way like this this team was not going to win 12 games like just the way it's constructed so i was just flabbergasted at this and i think unless the dolphins have just you know unless nick saban's coming back um to, to miami which i don't think he is no i just man this is a this is a strange move i was legitimately shocked when i woke up today and saw that i no way would have thought that brian flores wasn't going to be there like you said i really hope we get some more information on what went into this i know the owner Stephen ross has talked about it but man like what? Yeah, they had a disappointing season. They went ten and six, but like I like we kind of talked about last year, or you know, or before the season and uh, kind of mid season when they were struggling. Maybe it wasn't a great thing for the expectations for them to for them to kind of leap ahead in terms of their accomplishments on the field. 
Uh, I think you know, does he get fired if last year they win like three more games than they did the year before? Maybe they go seven and nine. Now they go nine and eight. Like then you see the upward upward trajectory, and I don't really get it. Like culture wise, I mean, you see uh, we put a cl- uh, clutch points article together of all the reactions of all the shocked players. Like no one saw it coming in their in their locker room either. Like they really uh, it sounds pretty disappointed. I do not know. It's going to be a tough task for whoever comes in there and to try to get the you know to really lead these guys. I, I, you know, maybe they will buy in with the right leader. It could still work. And, you know, players are going to be smart enough to know it's not that new coach's fault that ownership fired uh, Brian Flores, but man, they love that guy. It seems like from all accounts. And uh, the, the only thing I think Ian Rappaport talked about was maybe a bit of a, uh, frustration and tension were the two words he used between Flores and general manager Chris Greer. Chris Greer may be blaming Flores for some of the guys that they have drafted, especially along the offensive line that haven't worked out. Um, I don't know if that's fair uh, necessarily. It's, it's a combination of obviously drafting, but also technique and having the right coaches and play and having consistency with the staff, especially along the offensive line. It's really hard for guys to learn different uh, techniques and different kind of ways of doing things uh, from line, offensive line coach to offensive line coach. That's a reason that for years and years, Skarnecchia was there in, in New England. The, the Rams just recently moved on from Cromer, but he had a long, long history through multiple head coaches with the Rams. And these things are really important. Um, and uh, you know, it's not just on Flores. Uh, it can be a, a little bit more of uh, a collaborative thing there. It felt like those two guys were more of a team, I guess not. So maybe that's part of it. But like you said, definitely want to have to look more into this because it just did not, you know, unless they really thought they had someone that was going to be a huge 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 jump above like i just don't i just don't get it man i'm and uh, you, you also think one pick different i really hindsight here and uh, dolphins fans of no one in the in the moment that really thought they were going to take justin herbert over to a but man yeah. Yeah, there's no way he i mean like I, I feel like there's no way he ends up getting fired if justin herbert's there putting up big numbers and they're possibly moving forward uh, towards being a playoff team they probably would have been with with justin so yeah, it's 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 just the game of game of inches in football and in, wow. and the you know the draft and what you do with development because it's uh, uh it's interesting but I don't know man he went four and two against the Patriots in three years uh, I know the yeah. Patriots weren't the Patriots of their best days but man that's yeah, it's it's tough and now yeah now you got Josh Allen still there the Patriots in the come up like you said turn in our papers for the Dolphins I'm not I'm gonna have to be one back just like I feel like these players probably are gonna have to be one back by who or uh, by whoever yeah. comes in as their head coach it's gonna be a tall task the ringer has a great article on sort of just the, the dynamics involved here okay. you know it, it goes off of I guess it was Jeff Darlington and mentioned sort of the um, from ESPN uh, the relationship with Chris Greer, the GM, and Tua had deteriorated to a pretty bad place. That's the mm. quote used um, in that. So, like you said, that's where, you know, a difference of opinion there. And seemingly that was something that's been talked about a lot where maybe Flores wanted Herbert and you had a GM going a different direction, ownership. Um, and maybe that's one of the things. And also, something else pointed out in this, and, and remember, you know, we talked about this. We were literally considering the Dolphins one of the worst team, if not the worst team in NFL yep. history at one point. Uh, several years ago when Flores took over. And then we talked about the improvement they made. And since then, I mean, they have, like, you feel like they've just improved. And, like, they still have a roster, as we talked about, that is just not built to have success right now in terms of playoff success. It's not there yet. Um, And I'm I'm looking back, I'm, like, in this article, they're pointing out, like, remember, like, they traded all the trades they made. Like, Minka Minka Fitzpatrick was traded. 
Um, Laramie Tunsil was traded, you know, all this other stuff. And like, yet they still won. Like they, they still managed to win games. And uh, it is worth pointing out here something that uh, I think, and you know, the player reaction is what it is. Like you can go on Twitter and you talk about all the reaction from players, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. Uh, but uh, the time that Flores almost uh, fought the uh, the Bengals uh, bench, like this guy, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you right now, I don't, I don't know if it happens, but well, we've got Bears, Vikings, um, you know, some of these other jobs. Like if this guy isn't getting interviewed for one of those jobs, I don't yeah. know what you're doing because I'm not saying he's going to be the best candidate for each of these positions or maybe he's not the best fit for some of these jobs. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like if I'm the – if I'm the Vikings or so, like I, I think this is this is one of those guys that that I don't know. I just think that it's very interesting to see what happens next with him. I, I think right now, if you had to ask me, I think he will be the head coach of another team next season. And maybe he's not, but if you're going the routes of, and we know like NFL teams sometimes they they take those chances on you know the next Sean McVay, which we've kind of laughed about over the years. <laughs> um, or, you know, the coordinator route, or a guy like this who seemingly is just very well-respected, the Bill Belichick tree, um, man, I just I find it hard to believe he's not going to have a shot somewhere else as soon as maybe his next season. I, I hope he gets uh, – I'm sure he'll get interviewed, but I hope he gets one of the head coaching jobs. At the very least, I expect he'd be a strong candidate to be a defensive coordinator. He could do what some guys like Doug Peterson maybe take a year off and then be considered for a head coaching yeah. role afterward. If you think maybe there's another job that might be more fit at that point, one would, would have been interested if the giants had moved on. I uh, think of blind floors there could have been intriguing to see, but uh, yeah, I don't know. They're like, at this point it's uh, teams do like the fl- uh, flip flop. You see a lot of times when teams fire head uh, defensive head coaches, they move on and get an offensive guy. But uh, so yeah. I, I think of the Vikings and the Broncos in that case where, you know, that kind of uh, could be an Bears interesting Bears fired spot. an offensive guy. Maybe go back to the, the, there you the go. Bears get, there. What do you think? Get the I, defense back. I don't I don't hate it. I, I That would be a, a great fit, I think, for sure. Um, I know Denver's maybe a little more focused on trying to interview a coach that Aaron Rodgers might be in favor of. They're uh, going to interview Nathaniel Hackett, so that could be interesting. But, yeah, um, I would uh, – his future, I don't think it's – this is – you know, I think Brian Flores is 40. Uh, he, he's got a long career still to go, and I think – Miami potentially is going to regret this. Maybe he'll look for an AFC job just so he can try to get back at that team. But, um, I mean, at the same time, maybe it just wasn't the right fit in terms of the pers- uh, the people in the in the building and with Flores. So hopefully wherever he goes uh, moving forward, he'll have uh, a little more security because, man, yeah, that's – this isn't quite like, you know, this is maybe worse than what I think the Lions firing Jim Caldwell after pretty successful stand yeah. seasons. That, uh, that's the first thing I kind of thought of in terms of a coach having that much, you know, at least a couple winning records and then being fired. But I don't know. It, it almost feels worse because at this point with, um, I mean, obviously the hiring Patricia ended up being an absolute disaster for Detroit. But for Miami, it just seems like how did, like, I don't know. I just don't see it. I just feel like it's such a, like you said, he, he took this team out of, one of the worst, you know, rosters probably in the league going into the 2019 season. They and the, you know just to see what he did in year one, and even over the the course of this season how they adjusted. I mean, if they had a, just a no, you know, we'll see what becomes of Tua over the course of his career how he improves. But if they had a quarterback playing at a higher level 
than Tua did as one of the you know lowest DYAR football outsider quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, this is a whole different team. And yeah, if they draft just a little bit better at offensive line, it's a whole different team. It's just a, factors that I don't know how much are really about his coaching. Um, that's why it just makes it even more surprising to me. I don't know what, what's going on there in Miami. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting because, you know, if you're Flores and you do get those opportunities, do you want to go to the Bears where maybe you're looking at a similar situation where it's like you, maybe you didn't know what you had with Tua, maybe you still don't know what you have with Justin Fields, you don't know if you're completely there yet, or, you know, somewhere like the Vikings where you've at least got a quarterback that is, you know, Cousins we've, we've talked about has had his struggles, but um, that situation, or if you're Jacksonville, hey, let's just keep him in the state. He's got a franchise quarterback, you think, and Trevor Lawrence, I think that's pretty – clear cut and uh, a lot of rebuilding to do there but uh, we'll see what happens next for him uh, the only other game we haven't mentioned that was the uh, bucks and the panthers bucks win 41 17 they are now locked into a, a playoff matchup with the eagles so uh, that was the slate uh, dylan of course for week uh, 18 in the nfl it still feels strange to say that <laughs> uh, but off stuff any of the coaching fallout uh, on the next episode but man what a as we said what a wild finish to the regular season yeah a lot of fun we'll definitely have I'm really excited for our next episode to dive deeper you know really deeply into each of these playoff matchups we'll have plenty of time to do so with only seven games compared to 16 but yeah tons of at clutch points all the takeaways from every one of these games uh we're gonna have a lot of off-season uh content series prepared uh a lot of things some things will start as soon as this week a lot more as teams start getting eliminated looking at you know last kind of fixes that some teams need to uh, have to reach the super bowl potentially players that teams need to re-sign even early looks at free agency in the draft obviously right now we're really heavily looking at all the head coaching candidates for all these open positions but yeah we'll have all that covered you can follow the games in the clutch points app as well coming up and should be really fun week and fun next couple months i as much as i gonna miss the, the sundays of the regular season uh it's so much fun um i i do like you know being able to just watch each game really intently and being able to really focus in on just one game at a time and then also the off season is a lot of fun in the nfl it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of different things yeah. that are going to be happening and it's it's a ultimate reality show for sure i already seen that in the regular season with the uh, you know we don't usually have a team uh, having a couple two teams having fired coaches in the middle of a season i think they said it's the first time in 60 years a team has made a the playoffs with an interim coach uh so pre-super bowl era so it's uh it's already been wild and it's only going to probably get crazier and who knows what happens with some of the there might be more jobs available you, you know not every single one's necessarily decided we talked about how it yeah. looks like joe judge is going to stay in new york but he's as of when we were recording on monday today like uh, he's having meetings with the ownership and it sounds like he's going to stay there but it, it you know things could change definitely over the course yeah. of the week yeah uh there's as we know in the nfl there's no guarantees when it comes to uh, this and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But be sure to check it all out over Clutch Points and uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for Stabs and Pass. Uh, but thanks as always for listening to the podcast, and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on Stabs and Pass. Podcast.